we, this is our Better Together. We're finishing it off. I have a lot of information. Um, and I'm going to try. I want to do the Lord told me. Do a quick recap before we get into it. It's, it's give, serve, give love, and today is serve. Hallelujah. But before we, we get to the serve, the service, I want to do a quick recap of week one, which was uh, give. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Like I said two weeks ago, if you weren't here, we spoke probably only 5% of the whole entire Preaching that Sunday, if you haven't heard it, it's all on YouTube. I'm not going to get too in detail right now, but I got to give you a recap. We did not talk about money. When you, when you come to church and people say give, you're thinking about cash. That is some type of way of giving in your finances. But we also spoke about give. You can give people love. You can give people hope. You can give people a smile. You can give people by your actions and we talked about how everything in life is a seed. For whatever a man sows, it says here in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he shall also reap. Everything you do in this life is a seed. Smiling at someone's a seed. Hating is a seed. And everything, if you want to bear certain fruit, you must have something planted. Something won't grow. You won't have an orange tree if you don't plant a seed, if you don't water the seed. Everything you do is a seed. Being lazy is a seed. Giving love is a seed. Compassion is a seed. Hate and envy is a seed. What do you plant in your life and what fruit will you bear? That depends on you. Why? Because you can plant good and you can plant bad. And this is life. How do you, well, you may be saying to yourself, wow, I've done a lot of bad in my life. Well, repent. And guess what? The Lord will forgive you. And you will be forgiven. And start altering your life. Give and it will be given unto you. Be a good steward. Hallelujah. Plant good seeds. Come on, say amen if you're with me. Amen. Week two. We got a quick little recap. I'm going kind of quick. I want to get it all in in 30 minutes. Amen. Week two, last week, was incredible. I really can't dive in deep. That one you guys should hear. The word of the Holy the word, the Spirit of God gave me a, a, a revelation and that preaching was, was on fire. I don't know who was here last week, but I, I heard it after. I'm like, wow, the Spirit of God took over. I sometimes I'm surprised myself. I'm not trying to be prideful, guys. I am not anyone better than any of you here. I am the same individual. God loves me just like he loves you. But there's times where you say, wow, when the spirit of God takes over, you say, wow. And hallelujah. And it's going to continue to happen. You will see it in your life. Sometimes in, in, in a, it's not only when it comes to a sermon or receiving a revelation. It's also in your life. How many people, I know people here that have testimonies on how God changed their lives. And people that are around them and their surroundings are totally changed as well. Because they saw that seed. They saw that fruit bear. You're bearing Jesus. You're shining a light in this dark world. People don't understand it. But when they see it, oh, God, glory to God. You know it's not you. It's the spirit of God. Put your hands together if you believe that. Come on. Miracles occur in your life. 
Because God is a good God. Hallelujah. And leading to my next point. I got a little off topic there. Amen. Let's get it though. God is with us. 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God. This is the King James Version. Come on, guys. Get with me. We're here. Good. Love it. I put a lot of verses, I know, and I speak a little fast. But I, we got to get it because I want to make sure that they receive what they have. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Any discussion about love has to start with God. Because God is love. It is his identity. He has been loving forever. Because if God is love and my God has always existed, love has been around forever. Because God is love. God, love has been around since before the creation of the world. We spoke about how there's a love fest going on between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God just doesn't love himself. You know it's three in one. God is in love with his spirit. God is in love with his son. We got really deep on how the creation of the world and why we were even here in the first place. We were created because first the pleasure of God. We were created to adore God's son. But then obviously we know what happened. Sin came in, messed up the picture, messed up the party. And then God, since he's love, had to do something to fix the problem. And we know what Jesus did for us, hallelujah, when he came to this earth. Died, resurrected from the grave. Look what it says here in Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, love, God didn't wait for you to get right to love you. God didn't wait for us to get right. We were all in the wrong and he still loved us. And he still sent his son for you and for me. Hallelujah. Look at what it says here. God will determine how much he deals with you by how much you deal with others. 1 John 4.12 in the English Standard Version. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfect in us. 1 John 4.16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. What does abide mean? I said this last week. Abide means hang out. If there's not love, God's not around. You don't love, you won't be blessed. You're hating all the time. You're envious all the time. You're jealous all the time. Keep praying. And I guarantee it, if you pray for something and you are the type of person that doesn't love, God will not bless you. Period. Because God is only around love because it's who he is. He can't be around anything else. Pooh. That's another preaching. I'm talking about last week, guys. Are you with me? Say amen. I'm speaking a little fast. Woosa. Calm down. I just want to make sure you guys get everything. And I want to make sure that you leave this place not, not the same way you came in. I want to make sure you receive. You cannot have an intimate experience with God if you cannot have an intimate experience with others. When I say intimate experience, I'm here the Lord of the God is speaking about compassion. If you're not compassionate with others, if you're not compassionate, you cannot have an intimate experience with God. 
Because it says it right here. Look what it says here. 1 John 4.20. This is not just my words. This is not just me up here sweating and screaming and shouting. This is real. 1 John 4.20, English Standard Version says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God. It's right there, ladies and gentlemen. You can't just be selfish. You can't be the type of individual that only wants to be blessed but not be a blessing. You can't just be blessed. You can't just say, God bless me, me, me. No, listen, the reason for all of this is because we are in the service industry, ladies and gentlemen. We are in the service industry, service for souls. This isn't just about only you. God blesses you so you can bless others. Because that's what God is. He's love. And this is where we're heading now in today's topic of serving. Service. You see, once, once you receive Christ, now the next phase of it is to, we have to continue to transform our minds daily. We have to have that intimacy with God. We have to continue that. We have to pursue righteousness. We do that. We become molded. And why? Because in turn, then we can be a blessing to others by serving. We're supposed to be like Christ. Someone say amen. So doing that is what? Doing exactly what Jesus did. And now I'm going to tell you a story. If you're with me, church, say amen. Hallelujah. We're going to get to John. I'm going to read now a quick story. And this story has to do with right before Jesus gets betrayed by Judas. This is every month we do this when we do the Last Supper and we do it in honor of the Holy Communion. And now I'm going to take you back thousands of years. So let's put on our thinking caps. Those of you that are watching me on the internet, let's get in it. John 13. 1 through 17. I'm going to read 17 verses, and I believe we still got time. Hallelujah. Let's dive deep. John 13, 1 through 17. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were there, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let me pause before I get to verse number 2. So remember... Now, we're Jesus, I'm Jesus, we're here in the Passover, God knows what's going to happen. Jesus is God, he knows what's coming down. He knows Judas, one of the 12 disciples, this is the 12 disciples, he knows who the shyster is. And it's definitely Judas, the one who betrays him. So as I read, you'll understand more. But I want you to put, place yourself as if you're there, as one of the disciples, and you're sitting there. Jesus knows right after this, I'm going to get betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then I'm going to be put in jail, and then I'm going to get crucified. Are we with me? Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Number, verse number two, during the supper when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, verse number four says, this is where I want you to focus. Rose from the supper, from supper, he laid aside his outer garments. This is during the Passover, guys. And taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Verse number five, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, 
do you wash my feet? Jesus answered to him and said, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. Guys, this is Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. So Peter and all the disciples are saying, what's going on here? This is God. How is it possible that Jesus is washing my feet? Look what it says in verse 8. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Because Peter had got his own hard head. Tells Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. You're God. How, how can this be? Jesus answered to him and said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. That means you will have nothing to do with me. Jesus told that to Peter. Just like that. So what do you, well, okay. Then Simon Peter, then, then Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Then verse 11 says, because he knew who was going to betray him. Which in this case, he knew that the 11 of them were clean. The 12th was going to betray him, Judas. Verse 12 when he had washed their feet and put his outer garments and resumed the place, he said to them, do you understand? Now Jesus is explaining. Do you understand what I've done for you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord and are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one other's feet, another's feet. You should do the same. Then verse 15 says, for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done for you. Hallelujah. Truly, truly, I say unto you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do that. So Jesus Christ, if you're with me, someone say amen. And I just read a whole bunch, a lot, I know. As long as we're here in the same page and focus, that's what matters. Because the Spirit of God is going to talk to a lot of you guys right now. And those of you that are watching me live as well. To wash someone's feet thousands of years ago was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servants. I'm talking about thousands of years ago, it was no concrete. It was dirt. And there was no Nikes or Ferragamos or whatever shoes you guys like, Converse's or whatever. They were wearing sandals. So these feet were all dirty they was disgusting so normally what would happen is a servant would clean their feet especially when you're in a ranking you're jesus right and you're with the disciples i'm the disciple of jesus what's going on here i'm with the king you know you're hanging out with a boss of the bosses like in the world you know every time jesus went somewhere oh my god heal me lord you're hanging out in the best entourage that ever existed we don't wash feet we don't do that. But the leader, the king, showed his humility and his servitude. Servitude. He knew he was in the service industry. He also knew what was going to happen to himself a couple, a couple days later. You see, he humbled himself to the lowest of the lows. The second lowest of the low because he knew... That after that, it was, he was going to be crucified. He was actually going to be humbled. It was like being, it was, he was trying to show the disciples. Check this out before I get there. Jesus' attitude of servant, well, servanthood was in direct contrast, opposite, complete opposite of what the disciples thought. They would have never thought that Jesus would ever wash their feet or anyone's feet for that matter. 
But he teaches them servanthood, humility, how to be humble. And the main reason, I'm going to get to some more verses later on about service, that Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And that is what he was showing the disciples. And check this out. Not many people even know this, but amen. You guys are now filled with more knowledge. Hallelujah. Check this out. In Luke 22, remember, guys, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all say their story on how the life of Jesus, death, and rebirth, and all of that. Amen. So now we're going to look at what Luke says when he was writing his portion of what went down in the Last Supper. Because here it's interesting. They're talking about, look what they were arguing about. Luke 22, 24 says, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. They were full of pride. This was, in the, this was before Jesus humbled himself to wash their feet. The disciples, they're hanging out while the king is there. They feel like, all right, we're in this entourage. Which one of you is going to be named the best disciple? Who, how many souls are you going to save? I, whatever, no, 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 no. They were just back and forth full of pride, arguing about who's going to be the best disciple of Jesus. And Jesus gets up. Gets the basin, fills it up with water, and says, I'm going to wash your feet. They were stunned. The Lord himself, wow. Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. He said, if you don't, if I don't wash your feet, you have no share with me. This is a sign for all of us that we must humble ourselves. All of us, humble yourself. Put your hands together. Jesus had to show them what this is all about. It's about what we do for others. It's about our service. And I'm not just talking about service here in the church, which is great. This is a lifestyle. I'm going to get to five key points now on servitude. But first, I want you to see what it says here in Mark 10, 45. I want to fill you with some knowledge. Hallelujah. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke twenty two twenty seven says, for who is greater, this is a beautiful one, for who is greater, one who reclines at a table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look what it says here in Colossians 3.24. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Let's dive deep. Put your hands together, man. This is great news, guys. We got, I got good news. Good news for us. Great news. Hallelujah. Five important points on servitude. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. Number one. Christianity... Is the service of the Lord. Christ spoke to his disciples as servants. He speaks to you and me today as servants. Hallelujah. The gospel, of, uh, the gospel in the beginning offers us free gifts. It's true. The grace of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ, right? We, we get this free gift, but it's meant for first we act. First we use our faith to receive Jesus Christ, and then the second, 
we have to obey his commandments which is part of it is service number two the service of Christ must be portrayed in every area of your life like I said earlier it's beautiful that you come that you help out that you get involved and you do things for the community beautiful but this is more than just that which is part of it what are you doing in your life and your job when you go this is about Jesus serving him is showing compassion being kind not judging not looking down on someone but be kind be gentle show compassion Stop looking at people down when they make mistakes. Start telling them, hey, come on. Give someone a phone call. Smile at someone. Guys, this is not rocket science. You could do way bigger things. Wow, I'm not going to go on a mission trip somewhere and feed 100,000 people. Glory to God. But start at your home. How do you talk to, like, you, you have to be an example to your wife, to your husband, to your coworkers, to the little things that you can adjust. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, it's part of being in the service industry. Because why? You are molding someone. You're showing the love of God. Hallelujah. Look what it says here. Number three, the service of Christ. And this is a good one. The service of Christ must be sincere. Our work is not to please men, but to serve Christ. That's a good one. You see, there I won't ever be able to tell. You see, you can fool me, but you can't fool God. Are you really genuinely doing something just so others can see your Instagram? I don't know. Or do you do it because you really love Christ and you really care? And it's fine if you post doing good things. I applaud it. Amen. But are you sincere? That's between you and your king. And I want to be blessed, sincerely blessed. Not just do it so that someone can give me an applause. And just because only when the lights are on is the only time you, you act a certain type of way. Huh? I got 15 minutes. I won't take that long. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> are you receiving someone? Come on, say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be genuine. Be, be real with the lights on or with the lights off. And I understand. Listen, there's times where we make mistakes and we blow up. There's times where someone cuts me off and I'm like, oh, spirit and flesh are in a constant battle. What are you going to choose? Instead of sticking something else, you just wave. I love you. Oh, come on. We're adults here. We can talk. There's some kids here too. Kids, we behave as well. My kids are here. I love you girls. We all can figure out how we can react. There's going to be times where we have a flesh. We got to calm us ourselves down. But be genuine about your service. Be genuine. It has to come from the heart. We must put our heart and soul into it. Hallelujah. Point number four. The service of Christ dignifies all work. What inspires your work? Look what it says here. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. All of it. All of it. Eat, drink, whatever you do. You're doing it for God. Not for man, for God. When you're working, 
when you're doing this, when you're, everything has to be for the glory of God. No task undertaken for a pure purpose can be disregarding. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care if you're parking. I don't care if you're up here. I don't care if you're an usher, a greeter. Holding the camera, my friend, thank you. God looks at it all the same as long as you do it with a pure heart. There's nothing new. I don't get cooler points than you because I'm up here talking. It's not about that. Oh, wow, God loves me more. No, that's not it. A lot of people get that confused. I have my gifts. You have your gifts. Go out there and shine bright like a diamond. Hallelujah. Shine bright. Amen. Amen. As long as you do it genuinely, the Lord knows your heart. I don't get cooler points because you went and you greeted someone in the parking lot and I'm here sweating talking to you. No. That's not how it works. God doesn't look at that. God looks at the heart and how genuine you are. Hallelujah. Point number five. Christ, this is great. You guys ready for this one? Christ will recompense his servants according to their service. Ooh. So I gave you all these really cool four, first four, but now it's like, all right, let's get to the goods, right? Because remember, service is also a seed. You're planting this. Your life is a seed. You started out as a seed. <laughs> and your actions are also seeds. Something's going to bear fruit. Yeah. So your service to the Lord is also planting seeds. Like God's looking at what you're doing. Yeah. Don't freak out, guys. We got the Lord. Amen. He's with you. He loves you. If he, if he didn't love us, then we'll be Papa Frita for sure. But he loves you. We'll be all right. We're going to be all right. Hallelujah. Give yourself a round of applause. Amen. I haven't even got to the goods yet. I love that you're, you're already putting your hands together. Christ will recompense his servants according to their service. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Go to the next one. For, when we, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Go to the next verse. Oh, no, that was it. There it is. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is also known in your conscience. The Apostle Paul writes this in Corinthians. So what does this mean? Sometimes when we say to people, judgment day is coming, right? Sometimes people try to scare people to, you know, fall to their knees. But Sometimes it is, you know, as long as you understand and recognize that Christ is king, you're going to be saved. You're going to be in heaven. But I promise you what, you will be judged for what you do here on this earth. It says it right there. This is not just something that's for people that are not Christian, which is true. If you're not a Christian, then I suggest and I pray to the Lord Jesus that you fall to your knees and surrender your life to Christ before you walk out of here today. We'll talk about that in like a couple more minutes. But before we get there, the body of Christ, those of you that are already in the body, that are children of God, you will be judged accordingly. We shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look what it says here. The deceitful eye will be exposed and punished. 
Go to Psalms 101 verse 7. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry or be around, not even in my sight, says the Lord. Ah, I got to put this on the grind because if you're one of those people, guess what? You still have hope. Repent. Repent because God wants you to receive a different fruit, not that. I want to be and dwell in the house of my king. I want to be recognized. I want my Lord Jesus. Come on, man. I want God to love. I, I want to be in my Lord's sight. I want the exact opposite of this. But I need to tell you, if there is some type of deceit, some type of enemy, some type of, of anything that is not of God in, in the sense of you hating, having that envy, that jealousy, get it out of your life and rebuke it. Because that will be exposed. You will not be and dwell in the presence of God. I need to let you know this. Because that's why I'm here. To let you know the truth. Why? Because the truth shall set you free. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you make the adjustments. And then you can walk in righteousness. Regardless of how many times you fall. Now look what it says here. The faithful will be revealed and rewarded. Hallelujah. And I'm going to end it with this. Stand to your feet, church. Hallelujah. This is Jesus talking in the Sermon of the Mount. I love it in Matthew 5. I didn't even tell him to put it, but I'm just going to read it. I want you to just focus with me and those of you that are watching me online as well. I want you to look at yourself and receive this right now. What I'm about to speak, I'm about to speak life into you right now. What Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Look what it says here in verse number 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Hallelujah. Verse number 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Look what it says here. Verse number 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You will be persecuted, but there's nothing wrong with that. You are different from the rest. And who cares if you're persecuted? I care for righteousness. I don't care about what someone thinks about me. If you have a problem with my king, I'll pray for you, brother. But I ain't turning around. I choose the narrow path. I go where God wants me to go. Period. I may fall on the way there. I may have a hurt. I may have a hole in my heart on the way there. But I will pursue righteousness because me and my family will be blessed. Me and my generation will be blessed. My bloodline will be blessed. Hallelujah. Because I choose righteousness and we have promises for our lives. The devil will try whatever he can, however he can to stop you. But when God is with you, who can be against you? Who? Tell me. Persecute me all you want. 
Righteousness awaits for me, man. I am blessed in every area of my life. I don't care what you've gone through, what mistakes you've made. Don't allow the enemy to slow you down anymore. Hallelujah.